what a joy it is to be gathered together with you back here in our normal space as we have made it through the season of Lent. We have journeyed through Holy Week and through Easter, and now we are in the season of Eastertide. And so for the next several weeks as we are in Easter, we will be in a sermon series called Resurrection and Second Chances. And so as the name insinuates, we will be looking at the second chances that we receive as because of the resurrection. So as I was preparing for this sermon today, I had an experience that for better or worse really helped me understand how the disciples must have felt when Jesus first appeared to them in this story. I think you'll see what I mean. So I was sitting home alone one day drinking coffee at around 9 a.m. And I was home alone, but with my dog, Peanut, who was curled up at my feet. And all of a sudden, he kind of jolted up. There was some noise we heard, and he ran towards the middle of our house towards what I thought was the front door. We live in Midtown, and we don't have a mailbox, so we have a mail slot. So as many of you know, about once a day, he jumps up and goes to see where the mail is being put through the slot and comes into our house. But as I listened a little closer, and I thought to myself, it's a little early for the mail, I realized that he wasn't running to the front door, but to the back door. And as I listened even a little closer, I realized something very strange was going on as the deadbolt was unlocked and our security system chimed to let me know someone had entered the house. And this was very perplexing to me because Micah was out of town and I didn't expect anybody else to be coming to the house. But I didn't think someone was breaking in because I, I heard the deadbolt. You know, I knew someone had a key. And so I did what felt natural and I just said out loud, hello? <laughs> like hoping this intruder would let me know very cheerfully back, hello, good morning. So I kind of timidly walked towards the back door, not sure what I was going to see. And there stood a member of Micah's church. Like she knew she was supposed to be there and she was glad to see me. And I said, well, hello, I, I didn't hear you knock and I didn't know you were coming. And she said, oh, I didn't knock, I have a key. So I just let myself in. <laughs> and as many of you know, we live in a parsonage, so it's a home owned by his church. So I know that there are other keys to our house. I know they exist, it's not our home. But holy moly, do you ever expect someone to use one of those keys to come in when you're not expecting it? This is a classic example of miscommunication. I had their blessing to share this story. They thought they knew we were coming. We did not know they were coming. And it was just a big misunderstanding. But like I said, this did help me feel and understand what the disciples must have felt when Jesus appeared in this space. Because when I'm home alone and I have the doors locked, there's a sense of safety and security. And now, I don't know if I will feel quite that safe again. I might have to do the little chain at the top too, just to know, to know that I know that I am home by myself. <laughs> but the Gospel writer of John gives us a little context before Jesus surprises them on the scene. He notes that this account took place on the same day that Jesus was resurrected, as in, Easter day, as in the same day that Mary Magdalene had gone, seen that the tomb was empty, saw Jesus, told the disciples that he was risen. And yet we don't find the disciples rejoicing and out excited about this miraculous news. Instead, we find them locked away in a room, afraid. 
And I can understand why they were afraid. Their friend, their teacher, their Lord had just been brutally murdered. And so them, who were his followers, I'm sure they were nervous about what these Jewish authorities would do with them, who believed in Jesus, believed in his teachings. And that is when seemingly out of nowhere, Jesus appears with them in this locked space. I don't know if he had a key or if the resurrected Lord can go through walls. It might just be one of those mysteries. But we do know that this was not a ghost of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, a phantom Jesus. Because when he appears, he shows them his physical wounds, the scars on his hands. that were probably not even scars yet. They were fresh. He shows them his side. And when he does those things, then they say, yes, this is the risen Lord who is in our midst. And so Jesus, this intruder who has appeared in their space, greets them by asserting his peace. Not once, but twice. And then, like God breathing into the very first humans, Jesus breathes all over them and tells them to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Sometime later that day, Thomas comes back to this room that I'm sure they had to unlock to let him in, and they tell him all about what had happened. They're like, Thomas, you won't believe it. Jesus just appeared in the room. He showed us his wounds. He breathed on us, gave us the Holy Spirit, and told us to forgive people. And Thomas, who we've heard of as Doubting Thomas, does say that unless I see it for myself, I just can't believe it. And I think that Thomas gets a little bit of a hard rap for this because he's not asking for anything more than what the other disciples had just received. Mary Magdalene had told the disciples Jesus was risen, and they did not believe until they saw for themselves. So a week later, Jesus comes back, and it seems that he has come back just for Thomas. Once again, the doors are shut, yet Jesus appears, nail scars and all. Thomas reaches out to touch the wounds and knows that indeed this is the Lord. Jesus again offers him his peace and a demonstration of forgiveness. Jesus doesn't condemn him for being skeptical, but instead invites him to believe and live differently. So upon reading this story this year, I was struck that over and over again, Jesus shows up. He meets people where they are, amidst locked doors, amidst fear, amidst doubt, and Jesus offers himself. And like a good Southern gentleman, he doesn't show up empty-handed, but with the gift of peace that he offers freely time and time again. In our world that is so oversaturated with violence and hatred and the constant news cycle, who among us wouldn't want some of that peace? But not just a broad, out there peace, a peace that feels distant, but we want some specialized, individualized peace for what we are going through. I'm sure I'm not the only one. We desire peace in our souls when a loved one receives a terrible diagnosis. Peace for the essential worker, the healthcare worker who has worked for a year long nonstop. Peace in our marriage when we are hanging on by a thread. Peace and strength for the addict who is struggling alone. Peace for those who have no money to feed their family. Peace for those getting ready to send a, a student off to college. Peace for all of the many ways that we feel brokenhearted. We want and desire peace for these things and more. 
So I imagine we would say, yes, Jesus, give us some of that peace. This resurrection account is a welcomed reminder that when Jesus shows up, he brings peace to those who would receive it. And that includes all of us today. And this is a life-changing, transformational peace. This peace is bigger than inner harmony or a life without conflict. This is, those are things that we desire, sure. We love that idea. But Jesus' peace, or shalom, denotes completeness, wholeness, healing, and a restored relationship. Jesus' peace transcends this world and gives us a foretaste of what we will experience in eternity when we are in the kingdom of God in its fullness. A reality where there is no more death or fear or pain, where the wolf lies down with the lamb and the leopard lies down with the kid, where nation doesn't rise up against nation, and where we will experience the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. What an amazing gift that we can experience, even just a taste of that here and now. So as people who have received this peace, who have been offered this peace, who have received it, who have claimed it as our own, we who believe in the resurrection and who represent Christ in the world, it is now our chance to offer that same peace to other people. Just as Jesus shared his peace with us, so we must share this peace with one another. On Sundays in both of our services, we have the perfect opportunity. It's written in the bulletin. We stand up and we pass the peace with one another. Pre-COVID, and maybe even some now, you know, we, we hugged and we shook hands and we were really intentional. We got out of the row sometimes and walked to greet new people. And now we do the best we can. You know, people pass the peace however we can, passing the peace sign to each other. We're doing all we can to affirm the reality of Christ's peace that is here in this space. But even beyond that scripted moment that we have in the service each week, we pass the peace in less obvious ways. We pass the peace of Christ every time we call one another or check in on one another. Every time we send a text saying, I've been thinking about you, I've been praying about you, how are you doing? I've seen you all pass the peace as you lend a helping hand, as you reach out to someone who is in need, as you pray for those on our circle of concern, when you show up for one another in times of joy and sorrow, those are times when we pass the peace. And you all are so good about it in this community. And as followers of Christ, I wonder how passing the peace translates to people outside of this community, perhaps to people who don't have a relationship with Christ or who are not involved in a faith community, how do we continue to pass the peace of Christ and to make that peace known to people we encounter? It might seem intrusive or unnecessary to try and extend this kind of peace until we look back at the life of Jesus. Throughout scripture, we see Jesus sharing love and peace with those whom society would say it was unnecessary to do or even useless to share peace with. He dines with tax collectors and prostitutes, the poor and the sick, because he knows that those people need the love of God and the peace of Christ just as much as any other person. And how did he do this? What did it mean for him to pass peace? Well, I'll tell you what he didn't do. Jesus wasn't out there with a sign that said, go to church or the devil will get you, that I'm sure you've seen on your way to Birmingham. 
Jesus wasn't saying, you will never know peace until you repent, repent of your sins. We know it's good to go to church. We know it's good to repent of our sins. But when Jesus offered peace to people, when Jesus showed love to people, he didn't lead with that. Jesus met people exactly where they were, despite the barriers or locked doors or unspoken rules that sought to keep them apart. Jesus showed up and spent time with people. And when they were together, he wasn't casting that judgment or condemnation. We saw that in the story of Thomas. But instead, he extends love and forgiveness and peace. This kind of living made people really uncomfortable, especially these disciples. They would say, Jesus, it's really not a good look for you to be hanging out with women, especially Samaritan women. Jesus, you really shouldn't have invited yourself to that tax collector's house. These are evil people. Jesus, don't you know what you're doing around here? Our brains are wired to think that we obtain peace by staying alone with our people, locked away, safe from the others. But in Jesus, we see that relationships are the key to loving others, to healing what has been broken, and to passing along that peace of Christ. This text is a reminder of the vast gift we have been given in the resurrection. The good news of Easter is that Jesus is risen, Jesus has conquered death, and all of that does not have a hold on us anymore. But the resurrection also holds a challenge for all of us who believe that he is risen. Jesus' resurrection implicates us in mission, drawing us into the orbit of God's love and sending us out to be peacemakers to all we encounter. And I know this can seem daunting and maybe still even a little abstract, but I want to say two things that I think help us in this call that we have, this commission to go out to be peacemakers. The first thing to remember is that we are not sent out alone. When Jesus appeared in that locked room after his resurrection in the midst of their fear, their doubt, their confusion, he gives them peace and he gives them the Holy Spirit. This is the Pentecost story in the Gospel of John. And so we know that when they are given that gift of the Holy Spirit, that is the very presence of God dwelling within them, between them, around them, acting as an advocate, a teacher, and a guide. This is a gift that equips them fully. They have the peace of God and they have the Holy Spirit dwelling with them. So with these two things, the peace that Jesus gives, along with the promised presence of the Holy Spirit, those disciples and we today are empowered to step out of those spaces that we seek to keep locked, to put away the fear of others, and to step into the world to carry Christ's message of peace. The second thing I want you to remember is that the starting point for being a peacemaker is connecting with another human. And I know that sounds simple, but when I look at the Prince of Peace, Jesus, that is where he starts. And you don't have to go up to people and say, the peace of Christ be with you in the grocery store or when you're at work. You don't have to make it an overly religious event. But when you know in your heart that that's what you're doing, when you are seeking to build a relationship with someone, to show them the love of Christ, that's what you're doing. You are passing on the peace of Christ and giving them a glimpse of what it feels like to experience that love and peace for themselves. 
And so as resurrection people, as people who have, given, who have been given a second chance to live like Christ, I challenge all of us this week and throughout this Easter season especially to be peacemakers, to make connections with other humans, and to consider the image of God that is so clear in them. And perhaps if it isn't clear, maybe we just look a little harder and continue to show up. May we follow Christ's example to spread this peace this week and always. In the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.